If you have your Bibles, I want you to go with me today to, uh, I love electronics when they work. Go with me to the book of Isaiah, the 34th chapter. How many of you notice the roses up here? Amen. I'd like to tell you that somebody sent these to me and said, uh, we love you. But that didn't happen. They were sent as showing love. They've actually been here since Tuesday. We had a, a funeral service, and Dennis's mother passed, and they, there was over a thousand, I think something like 1,500 roses that showed up. There were 260 in each of these. And uh, anyway, so we're going to be, it made me start thinking about a rose, obviously. So if you turn with me to Isaiah 34, 1 and 2, I'm going to eventually show you the connection. <clears throat> Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words. For the Lord is enraged against the nations. His fury is against all their armies. He will completely destroy them, dooming them together. Let's pray. Father, or dooming them to slaughter. I'm sorry. Let's pray. Father, we just ask that you'd have your way in the service today. Speak to our hearts, God, and let us hear what your Spirit's saying to the church. I'm asking you, Father, Lord, to let me decrease so you can increase. God, I give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be looking at this and saying, how in the world could anything encouraging come out of what he just read? Let me read it to you one more time. Come here and listen, O nations of the earth. Let the world and everything in it hear my words. For the Lord is enraged against the nations. His fury is against all their armies. He will completely destroy them, dooming them to slaughter. The passage that I read, let me explain what's happening. Israel and Judah, Israel has split into two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom referred to as Israel, the capital being Samaria. There's a southern kingdom known as Judah, the capital being Jerusalem. Both of these places have started to fall into moral rot. They've begun to walk away from God. And I thought, you know, years ago I preached a message about Israel and the United States and showed the types and shadows that exist between them. Israel is a nation that's birthed because of God. The United States is a nation that was birthed because of God. If you study the history, don't, don't let anybody tell you this is not a Christian nation. If you study the history of this nation, you're going to find out that the only reason this nation exists today is because God's hand was in it. Amen. Now, they, they began to pull away from God, and because of that, there were nations that came in, and they brought the judgment of God, and it was Assyria and would end up being Babylon for the southern kingdom of Judah. But they got, they went overboard in what they did. Assyria's king had had this habit of taking a hook and putting it in the noses of the kings that he had conquered and he would lead them out in complete humiliation. Assyria went and they surrounded Israel and they took Israel into captivity and they decided we're going to do the same thing to Judah. 
But Judah's king at that time was a man named Hezekiah, and Hezekiah loved God. I'm telling you, there's something that happens when your heart is holding on to God, no matter what's happening around you, God takes notice of that, and he responds to that. So they had camped around Judah. They're going to create a blockade. They're going to starve them out. They're telling all the people, don't listen to Hezekiah. He's just going to end up having you all killed. It doesn't have to be this way. And Hezekiah went to pray. And he showed, he, he goes to God and he's saying, man, I got no power against them and I, I don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, God sends a word to Hezekiah that there's not going to be one arrow shot against this city. There won't be a sword lifted against it. And that night, God sent one angel. Everybody say, one angel. You ever get to thinking about, you know, I, I don't know, I, I was listening to a debate one time about the, you know, the apologetics and, you know, creation versus, you know, humanism and all this. And, and some professor on there made a statement and said, how many angels can fit on the head of a pen? And I thought to myself, I thought you're supposed to be smart. But that's a stupid question. Let me tell you about the power of an angel. One angel walked into the camp of the Assyrians that night. And when morning's light came, there were 185,000 corpses laying on the ground. The king packed up, his army packed up, and they left Judah, and God had delivered them. Everybody give God a hand clap of praise. I'm, I'm telling you, there's something about apprehending the heart of God that brings an awareness to God. It's not that God's not aware of you already. It's just that it's kind of like if I'm, you know, if, think about with your spouse or your girlfriend, and if, if I'm not communicating my love to her, they can say, well, I know you love it, but they need to hear it. God wants to hear your praise. I said, God wants to hear your praise. You know what gets me? I, I, we, we, how many of you have ever gone and watched the Cardinals play? We, where are my ushers at? No, okay, no. So when, when you go to the ball game, you're there and you're geared up for your team, right? And when they, somebody hits a home run, you go, that's a pretty good hit. No, man, I've watched people lose their mind at baseball games. And, woo! Woo! Thank you. We come to the house of God sometimes and we sit quietly and we praise the Lord, everybody. I'm telling you, when you get excited for God, it gets other people excited for God. So anyway, the Assyrians are dealt with. Babylonians come. Nebuchadnezzar ends up after Hezekiah is gone, Judah went back to following its own way instead of God, and they're judged. And so in this passage, God's speaking to the nations, talking about, I'm going to deal with you. I'm going to repay you for what you've done. Now, I want you to remember the language of Isaiah 34 because it has something to do with us today and what's happening. 
when you see what he says to them and to those nations, you think, man, that, 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 that's horrible. And What hope do we have? Go to chapter 35, verses 1 and 2, because this is what God is doing. Look at this. Look at verse 31. I mean, verse 1 in chapter 35. I had that same problem last service. The wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. And the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. The word wilderness and solitary place denotes a dry place where there is no water, no springs, no streams, nothing there that can sustain life. The word comes to mean desert. If you look at the Hebrew translation, it means desert. Now, it's speaking about, the, here's what I want you to get, it's speaking about not just the physical condition that Israel and Judah are left in, the land itself, but it speaks about the spiritual condition that Israel and Judah were in. It was desert. It was barren. It was a desolate place. As many times as Jeremiah warned them, as many times as Jeremiah begged them to turn to God so that they wouldn't face this, they refused to listen, and so that devastation comes. But then God does something. God sends a word to them and says, it's not going to be this way forever. God lets them know that the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for them. Do you hear that language? It's saying that nature itself, that the earth itself, that the land itself is beginning to rejoice over what God is getting ready to do for his people. Go on to verse 2 and look at how he says it in verse 2. He says, yes, there, well, let me finish verse 1. He says that the wilderness and the solitary place shall be glad for him, and the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Everybody say the rose. Verse 2, yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon and as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. It's like the entire earth is anticipating what God is getting ready to do for his people in the midst of devastation. <laughs> Anybody been looking at what's going on around us? Anybody been seeing what's happening around us? So what's he say is going to happen? He says that the desert shall rejoice and blossom as the rose. Everybody say rose. And then in that second verse, he says, they'll be as lovely as Mount Carmel or the plain of Sharon. Everybody say Sharon. Now, wait a minute. The rose and Sharon? I think I've seen those two words put together before. Isn't it Solomon 2 and 1 where he says, I am the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley? 
What's God saying? Do you understand that Solomon is like a type and shadow? The Song of Solomon is like a type and shadow that depicts God's relationship with the church. But the rose is neither the man nor the woman. The rose is who God's sending. He said, I am the rose of Sharon. He is the lily of the valley. Somebody say, God so loved that he sent a single rose how many of you know that there's a language connected to flowers do, do a study on it it's really unique I, I found out that like if you want to say that you like somebody you don't send a rose because the road speaks louder than that you send a gardenia if you want to tell somebody they're a coward, send them a pansy. No, I'm kidding. I made that one up. I, but there, there, there's, a whole list, there's a whole list of flowers that are used to speak a language that's communicated without saying a word. And here he says that the desert will blossom as the rose. And so that single rose is making a statement that, what's it say? I love you. He is the rose of Sharon. He's a rose that blossoms in the desert. Let me say it to you this way. He is the reminder in the midst of your wilderness and in the midst of your desert place that you are loved. Turn around and look at your neighbor and say, I know he loves me. Come on, some of you act like you're not sure. Oh, no, well, let, let, let's just go there for a second, right? Because isn't, what, isn't that what the devil does to us? Doesn't he play games with our mind? And how many of you have ever seen that game? She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She loves me not. She loves me. She, she loves me not. She, except we're saying... God loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. We let the devil mess with our mind and try and convince us that God doesn't love us. Can I share something with you? The love that God has for you is not built on your ability to do what's right. If it was, we would have never been loved. God loved you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever does what? Whoever gets it right, huh? No, whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Look at this. Look at this. Well, you, you just destroyed it, and that's what the devil tries to do is destroy the symbol of love to your life. Can I share something with you? I, was, I found out my son was telling me about, he was at a church service. They were having this big event, and somebody got the idea, one of the people that were helping with the event got the idea that it would be, a, it would be wonderful if they just had rose petals all over the floor at the entrance in the lobby, all over the floor. That floor was made of white tile. They had rose petals all over the floor, and it looked great. 
And then all of a sudden, people started coming in and walking on the pedals, and they started getting crushed underneath their feet, and it ended up looking like a mass murder had happened. It looked like it was covered with blood. And when I thought about that, I thought, oh, my goodness, man. When the devil attacks and he's trying to destroy your belief in God, even when he walks over you, it's a reminder of the blood that's been applied to your life. He is the rose. He loves you. Somebody say he loves you. He said, well, I, I get that. You know, well, what's that got to do with us? It, listen, it was a reminder for them that the situation they were in wasn't going to remain the same, that God was going to visit them. And when he visited them, there was going to be love. <laughs> a rose that blossomed in the desert. He was going to demonstrate his love for them. What's that got to do with us? Well, how many of you have looked around and saw what's happening in the world right now? As a matter of fact, if you, if you read Isaiah's prophecy in chapter 34, it becomes like a type and shadow of what's happening. It's a prophecy that's not just fulfilled in their time, but one that's going to be fulfilled in our time. That's the unique thing about the Old Testament. It's filled with types and shadows. So when you see Moses and the children of Israel going through the Red Sea, yes, they physically go through the Red Sea, but it's also a type and shadow for us that God is going to bring us out, that he's going to part whatever waters that are troubling us, that we're baptized with him like Moses passing through the Red Sea. And so when I begin to read about those nations that were going to be destroyed, that God's anger was kindled, I started thinking about other people that had prophesied. That same type of situation, Daniel. But Daniel doesn't speak about his day. He speaks about days to come, about the prophet Joel. Do you remember Joel's words? He said that the moon will be turned to blood and the sun will be dark. And he's speaking about another time. And then you find the prophet Zechariah, and Zechariah talks about Israel being attacked and nations coming in against them. And man, you doesn't have to take a rocket scientist to kind of understand what's happening in the world that we live in right now. Jesus himself will speak about this. Look at chapter Matthew 24 and 21. For then there will be great tribulation such has not been since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. Revelations chapter 6, 8, 9, 16, and 18 describe a horrific time when there'll be widespread ecological, economic, cosmic, and human catastrophe on a level never known before in history. Everybody go, woohoo! Say, man, pastor, come on, you, you're depressing me. No, no, you, you need to finish the prophecy. Don't just read chapter 34. Look at chapter 35. 
Because when I started reading 35 and I heard about the earth rejoicing and I, and I got to thinking, I thought, wait a minute, man, that sounds so familiar to me. And then all of a sudden I remembered Romans in the 8th chapter starting with the 19th verse. Listen to what Paul says. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. Ever since Adam messed up in the garden and sin entered the world, the earth has been longing for the promise that, he, that the earth itself knows that God's making. He looks at Eve and he said, your seed is going to, the, the serpent will bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise the serpent's head. And creation has been looking for that time when there would come someone that would redeem us from the curse of the law and that came in Christ now when Christ came he didn't come the way everybody thought he would he said no I got sheep of another flock that you don't know anything about turn around look at your neighbor and go bah. and look at him and say he was talking about us that, that God so loved the Jews is that what it said no God so loved the world and creation itself was crying out where it can be restored. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be restored to its former glory. Everybody say, remember the rose. Listen to what Jesus says. Hebrews 13 and 5. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. What's he saying? He's saying no matter what's going on around you, I'm going to be there in the midst. I'm going to demonstrate my love to you. I'm going to let you know that you're not alone. We're not going to play these games of he loves me, he loves me not. You're going to know without a shadow of a doubt that he loves you. I came across a story of a young girl, she was in high school, her name was Rose. And all the children made fun of Rose. She didn't dress quite as nice as the others, and she smelled kind of bad. And they would approach her, and they would say, you don't smell like any Rose to me. They didn't know that she didn't have running, or that they didn't have a bathroom facility at her house. They had an outhouse, and for her to take a bath meant that in the middle of a room, that water had to be drawn and put into a tub and there was no privacy for her so it was embarrassing for her and yet everybody kept needling her you don't look smell like any rose to me there was one young man that God spoke to and said I want you to tell Rose about me let her know that I love her let her know that I'm there for her and he would go to school with his mind made up that he was going to share that with Rose. And when he got to school, he'd see all the other children begin to taunt her and pick at her. And then he grew afraid. And he said, if, if I do this, they're going to turn their taunts on me. Don't raise your hand on this one. How many times has God quickened our heart 
to share his love. And we hold back because of the people that are around us. He went home that night and he repented. He said, God, I'm sorry. I'll do it the next day, I promise. He went back the next day, and the next day it was the same story. All the children started coming around, Rose taunting her, picking at her, and he could see the hurt in her face, but he couldn't bring himself to tell her. This went on day after day until weeks passed. And he kept saying, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it, and he never did it. And then one day he went to school and he's saying, I'm doing it today, I'm doing it today. And he was looking for Rose and he couldn't find Rose. He started roaming the halls looking, and there was no Rose. And he went up and he said, where's Rose at? She, I, I can't find her. I'm looking for Rose. When he finally mustered the courage, someone looked at him. He said, you didn't hear the news? He said, what? He said, last night Rose's house caught fire. She didn't make it out. Rose is gone. And his heart was broken. And he cried and he repented before God and he said, God, I am so sorry. That young man would later end up establishing a ministry in a downtown region. He reached out for others and they said, what drives you? And he shared the story of Rose. And he said, I made up my mind that not one more Rose will slip through my hand. Not another Rose will fall without them knowing that there is a Rose of Sharon. That there is someone who cares. There is someone who loves. In spite of what they're facing. In spite of what's happening around them. There's someone that cares. Say it with me, a single rose. For God so loved. How many of you remember Jack Benny? Any of you remember Jack Benny? If you, those of you that are too young to remember Jack Benny, Google him. He was a comedian on the radio. Now the truth is, is I'm too young to remember Jack Benny. Thank God for reruns. <laughs> Jack Benny had a radio show. It turned into a television show, and he was known as being a cheapskate. That was his tagline. He, and he was also known as being 39 years old for his entire life. As a matter of fact, if you look at his birth certificate, I mean, not his birth certificate, but if you look at his death certificate, it lists his death or his age at death as 39. What many people aren't aware of is that how much Jack loved his wife. His wife was Mary Livingston, the one that was with him on the radio broadcast, and he loved her immensely. When Jack died, the next day Mary had a single rose delivered by a flower shop to her house with a note, I love you. And she thought, well, that's sweet, somebody heard about Jack and sent me a rose. The next day, it happened again, and a single rose said, I love you. She thought, whoa, you're mad. That, you know, and then it happened the next day, and the next day, and the next day, and this went on for weeks. Every day, she was getting a single rose delivered by a flower shop with a note that said, I love you. And she thought, what is going on? And she finally got up and she went down to the flower shop and said, I, 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 I've got to know who's sending these flowers. And the owner looked at her and he said, well, Mrs. Benny, I, 
I thought you knew. She said, no, I've got no clue who's sending these flowers. And he looked at her and he said, before your husband died, he came in here and made arrangements that you're to receive one flower, one single rose every day for the rest of your life as a reminder of his love. Oh, hear what I'm getting ready to say. There's been arrangements made, my friend, that every day of our life, there's a single rose that's showing us his love, that I'm not going to forget you. I'm not going to forsake you I'm going to be there for you his name is Jesus somebody say Jesus you say oh pastor you can't you can't believe that I mean that that was Jack Benny look at all the money he's got how many of you have ever heard about Paul West Paul stand up would you that's Paul West filthy rich no, he's, he's not. He's not. But he, he does have something that he showed me after first service. And when he showed this to me, I said, Paul, can I use that? And he said, well, yeah, you can use it, but folks just need to know that this is personal. This is what it says. Free Roses for life. Paul West, no expiration date. What happened? At some point in Paul's life, he came into, and when I say relationship, I'm not talking about a woman. He's married and loves his wife, okay? So, and he, he met a guy that the relationship was so strong, and the guy dealt with roses. And so he wanted to express how much he appreciated Paul, and he gave him this. Now, I need to share something with you so you understand. This is personal. In other words, the only way Paul can use this is it has to be for his personal use. Nobody else can ride the relationship he's built and get these flowers. Nobody can go to Paul and say, hey, Paul, could you hook me up, buddy? No, no, you're going to have to find your own relationship. Oh, you hear what I'm saying. There's a man that came out of heaven that gave his life for us, and he's a rose that blooms in the desert. He's the sweet rose of Sharon. For God so loved the world, and we can have it every day of our life and all it takes uh, is us saying here I am here I am God would you stand with me today here I am God send me I need to be transparent with you I was reaching in to these roses I think it was yesterday and I ended up bleeding because the rose has thorns. Jesus didn't go through life without experiencing pain. As beauty as the rose is, and that rose symbolizes all sorts of things. It's not, not just symbolizes love, but it symbolizes healing. Do you know that roses are used for medicinal purposes, that there's healing in the petals of a rose? And he brought not just love to us, but he brought healing to us. But it didn't come without pain. 
we have a high priest that understands what it's like. Every time we do communion, I close my eyes. And I don't know how many of you have ever seen the movie The Passion, but I always close my eyes. Years ago, I'd made a statement. I said, if Hollywood ever did a movie that depict what Calvary was really like, it would have to be rated R because it was such a horrific sight. <laughs> I was saying that 20 years before that ever came out. And when it came out, it was rated R. When we do communion and he talks about this is my body, I close my eyes and I see the whip ripping the flesh from his back. And I say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry it cost so much. It should have been me. But had it been me, I would have been crucified and died in my sin because I couldn't forgive them. I die for my sin. And if I die for my sin, I remain dead. But if I allow Jesus to take my place, if I receive the rose and recognize and understand that he died for my sin, so I could die to my sin, so it no longer has a hold of me. This is what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. We're going to pray in just a moment. And if you've got a special need, I want you to come to the front. We want to pray with you. But before we leave here today, you're going to the, come to the front of this building and take a single rose. And I want you to share that rose. We say, Pastor, boy, you'd think I'd set that up, wouldn't you? <laughs> what are you going to do now, Pastor? You, you gave the rose away. You don't have one. You're empty-handed. No. <laughs> he said, whoever comes to me, they'll never thirst again. It'll be like a spring, just springing up into everlasting life. And so as I give to others, and I share his love with them, he's promised me that he'll replenish my well, that he'll fill my heart, that I'll never have to worry about there being enough roses to go around. Because not only is he the rose, he knows how to produce the roses. <laughs> Would you stretch your hands to heaven and pray with me right now? Father, we love you. We honor you and we glorify you and we just ask you to have your way today. Lord, there are people in this building that have been pucking petals, playing the game that the devil's tried to 
embed in their mind that Jesus loves me, he loves me not. We know what the answer to that question is. Jesus loves me, and he proved it when he spread out his arms and died on Calvary's cross for me. I don't ever want to question your love. I know it's real, and I know it's true. I pray today, God, for every heart that that tangible love, God, that they'll feel it, that they'll recognize it, God, and that they'll invite you in wholeheartedly, that in the midst of their wilderness and in the midst of their desert place and when they feel like they're going through a dry spell and like there's no life and there's no hope, remind them that you're there. Let them hear your words. That when we see these things come to pass, let us look up for our redemption draws nigh. You're not leaving us or forsaking us, but you're carrying us through this in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on and give my hand clap of praise in this house. So this is what I want you to do today. I want you to move out of your seat and come and get a rose. Would you do it right now? And just hang out here with me for a second. Once you get your rose, just move back so others can come up. But come and take a rose. Men and women. God goes, oh, I don't need no rose. Yes, you do. While you're picking roses, let me share with you. When I first met Debbie, I kind of fell in love, and so I wanted to express that love, and Valentine's Day rolled around, and I got a dozen roses and had them sent to her school. They walked into her classroom, and they said, is Debbie Russell in here? And they had those roses on display, and said, Debbie Russell here? And she said, yes, I'm over here. And it was an expression of my love publicly. And she, she really loved that. And then later on, I, I got her a, a, a genuine fur coat that was fake. It was white and it was fluffy. She was 14 years old at the time. I didn't know that. I thought she was 17. I asked her, how old are you? About 17. She said, that sounds good to me. So she kind of misrepresented herself, and, but I'm not holding it or against her because I, I realized that a lot of times when we come to God, we do the same thing. We don't just expose to God everything that's going on in our life, even though he already knows it. We try and make him think we got it all together, but he knows we don't. And he loves us anyway. Those flowers have faded now. That's been a few years ago. The coat, the coat is still intact. She put it in a bag, zipped it up, has kept it. And I want you to know that white fluffy coat is still 
with us today except it's not white and fluffy anymore it's turned yellow I don't know how it happened all I know is that it just couldn't keep up with the times it just kind of fell apart here's the good news the rose of Sharon is still in full bloom he hasn't fallen apart he hasn't lost any of his power he's still the same to yesterday today and forever and what we need to do is cherish him the way we cherish personal things Debbie held on to God from the time she was a child and she's never let go when I grabbed a hold of him for the first time in my life and he became real to me I've never let go I'm not saying I hadn't messed up I'm saying I never let go turn around and look at your neighbor and hold up your rose you got it hold it up now you're not allowed to get a rose and hide it you have to put it on display for all to see because you're sharing his love you're sharing the rose of Sharon so when you hold it up look at your neighbor and say this with me I want you to know there's somebody that loves me his name is Jesus and I love him too come on let's give him a hand clap of praise in this house today if you would when you walk out of here today purpose in your heart and your mind that I'm going to share this rose this rose may not last forever but his love does share the rose before you leave why don't you just go ahead and get your bouquet of roses you can you can take not just the rose you've got in your hand but why don't you pick a rose to give to somebody and let them know what that means to you all right God bless you we love you come and get a rose